This is Unclaimed Bands, show 62. Hey music listeners, this is Sean from Unclaimed Bands, and tonight, joining me all the way from, well, you're in San Francisco now, aren't you? Yeah. Okay, is Kat Show. Welcome, Kat. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, it's it's my pleasure, trust me. Uh, as I was saying to you before the show, let everybody else out there know, uh, our team overwhelmingly picked you, and uh, we're happy mm-hmm. that you you agreed to do it. So that's always a good thing for us. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, like I said, my pleasure. Uh, before we jump in and get all the information out there that uh, we want to ask you, why don't we give people a taste of your music in case they haven't heard you? And I, I don't know how they haven't, to be quite honest with you. Uh, what would we let? Do, what do you want them to hear this uh, to start it off with? Um, which one first? I can't remember. Well, you gave you you, were, you gave us some. Um, Somebody called the doctor, and why do you love me now? Which are fantastic representations, I think. Thank you. Um, let's see. Somebody called the doctor. Let's start with that one because it's upbeat, and that's for the Doctor Who fans out there. Nice, nice. Okay, this is somebody called the doctor. It's an emergency.
right, that was Somebody Called the Doctor by Kat Rib- Robichaux. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, I just, I'm, I'm, I've got, okay. I'm getting it's, these pop-up things coming over on the computer. I'm like, what? No, no, I can't pay attention <laughs> to that. Um, so, tell us a little bit about that song since you referenced Doctor Who there. I just really love Doctor Who, and I'm a big nerd, and I thought it would be fun to write a song about Doctor Who. <laughs> And uh, that's where it came from. It's, you know, it's fun. Like, I, I a lot of my songs I pull from, from pop culture. Um, I, I'm i obsessed with, I'm, I'm a major cinephile. Um, I love being up to date with movies, old and new, and um, TV shows. And I got completely um, just engorged in, in Doctor Who. And when my band, uh, with my when my first band that I was in, the design was breaking up, it was a really hard time because um, I had spent eight years like basically my twenties, I spent my twenties on the road with this band trying to make it work. And the realization that it was falling apart was really painful. And, um, yeah, the, the show Dr. Who kind of helped me. Oh, definitely. I mean, it just, it just helped me a lot because it's such an, you know, it's anybody that watches Dr. Who knows it's a really uplifting show. A lot of bad shit goes down, but you know, in the end it's, it's all going to be okay. Yep. Yep. I'm a Who fan. So, uh, what 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 doctor did you come in on? Um, I yeah, I mean, I um, I started on the reboot. I started on Christopher Eggleston, and oh, okay. um, yeah, and I tried to go back and watch the older ones, um, whatever they had on Netflix. They didn't have all of them, um, but I've watched uh, I watched a lot of like the first Doctor, um, and then uh, you know I was told to like number four was was a really good one. So, and I always forget his name it's not it's it's tom tom baker no, it's not. tom baker thank you i always want to say tom brady or tom hardy <laughs> <laughs> baker tom baker terrible that i don't know that but um yeah and then you know i love i like the i like the newer stuff because it's it's definitely trying to appeal to the people who grew up watching it yeah um, yeah absolutely. Way less of a, yeah it's way less of a children's show because i read up about the show and it started out as um a, a show for children, like an edge, it's supposed to be scientifically educational when it really wasn't <laughs> at all. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I really, I love the new ones and David Tennant is, is my favorite. Although Matt Smith gets all the pretty HD quality, um, you know, and all the Stephen Moffat, all the heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm. You know, they. Uh, I was reading an article, and we're getting off topic here, but we're going to stay with the Who for a second. I was reading an article about six, seven months ago, and apparently, um, I think something like almost a hundred episodes that were lost to the BBC were found in a storage house in uh, Australia. Yeah, I read that. That's really cool. I was like, thank God like, they found that. Well, a lot of them were taped over because yeah. they didn't think there was any there was going to be any value to them later on, which is so sad. Um. So yeah, there's there's quite a few that are just missing because I mean they're gone. But unless somebody you know taped them, but I mean, could you even tape videos back then? I don't. I I think like only I think it was like the late early seventies that they you know home units became available. Yeah. So unless somebody like in a studio like Australia has those tapes laying around because they you know you couldn't you know broadcast them the same way. um, I think it's probably probably kind of rare. Yeah, like I'm thinking about my home videos from, uh, I'm going to date myself now, but um, like the, the mid-80s. Um, and, you know, I we had them all on VHS. My mom and dad were huge about, um, you know, doing home videos. 
we had them all in VHS, and maybe like 10 years ago, I got the idea to convert them all to DVD. And just the quality of some of them, I mean, it was just, uh, they were obviously deteriorating. Mm. Um, and I'm glad that I grabbed them when I did. And so I made a copy for my parents, and then I made a copy for myself. I did That's not make cool. copies for my brothers. <laughs> Get <laughs> really them to pay funny. for it, right? Right. <laughs> All the hard work you did? That's what they, yeah, seriously. And that's what they get for teasing me growing up. <laughs> uh, the sister's revenge. Okay. <laughs> so uh, how did you how did you get started in music? How did you start playing this? Um, You, you know, I, I, I grew up watching a lot of musicals. Uh, my dad was a really big um, musical fanatic. And so I was, I grew up watching Annie in Oklahoma and Oliver Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and The Sound of Music and um, and I just started I would just sit in front of the TV and just sing you know all those songs and um, and yeah I mean I just really loved to sing and when I when I got into um, nobody really paid attention to me nobody really you know said wow you should you know um, you're an amazing singer you should be in a band or you should pursue this as a career and certainly like when I was in high school American Idol hadn't quite you know, been invented or whatever yet. And uh, so nobody was saying you should go on Idol yet. <laughs> that didn't happen until I started playing out venues. And that was always so heartbreaking to hear because it's like, it's a compliment, but what it's really saying is what you're doing now is obviously not good enough. You need to go on one of these shows to, to better yourself in your career. Um, but uh, yeah, like my senior year of college, um, I started going to open mics and people started to encourage me to join a band, and so I, I, I joined a band um, called Sugar, and we originally started as a cover band, and then we switched our name to The Design, terrible name for an original band. Try Googling The Design, see what happens. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Um, and, uh, yeah, and um, we were together for eight years, and, and I made a living as a, as a cover artist, and, and then we put out two original albums, and, um, and then we broke up. And that was really hard. Um, and then I went on The Voice. And that was also really fun, but also really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about that for a second. Uh, what, uh, you're on The Voice. And, uh, I mean, what was the experience like for you? I mean, pros, cons? Um, the pros were that it was definitely a fantastic exposure. Mm -hmm. um, and they do they do pay you. Um, it's not a ton of money, but it's it's pretty decent, and it's certainly not they're not like exposure, and you don't get any pay. You know what I mean? Um, they take care of you. They take very good care of you. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the exposure was great. Um, they have amazing vocal coaches, and I learned a lot from them. And um, just getting just getting to to know what it feels like to have that kind of production value. Um, I would ask them for the most ridiculous things and they would just make it happen. Like, um, for, for the last performance that I did, I asked if I could have male dancers uh, dressed up as, uh, like, tango dancers. And I asked if I could, you know, have, you know be, on, be on top of a piano at one point. And I asked if I could have a dress that was, like, in between uh, heavy metal and Jessica Rabbit, and it just all happened, and they were really generous to me. Um, I would say the negative stuff would be, you know, the, the actual standing on that stage and them calling out your name and not calling out your name, and 
um, that's really hard. Um, because I basically, you know, up until the live rounds, I'd been doing really well. And I never thought I'm better than anybody here. Um, I was, I was very much, I felt very much in my place at all times. I was surrounded by incredibly talented people. And I do think that Tessanne deserves to win. I feel like from our season, she had hands down the most solid, um, vocals. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so, I mean, I didn't feel bad about losing, but just, you know, I felt, I mean, up until the live rounds, the judges or the coaches really loved me and I kept winning and I, you know, I was never like in the bottom for anything. And then when the live round started, I kind of had a sense of how it was going to go because I was, I was seeing America's reaction to me, um, you know, while the, the blinds and the battles and the knockouts were going on. And um, there was a lot of, uh, I mean, for every for everybody on, on the show, not just me, but like everybody had, there was a lot of positive feedback and a lot of negative feedback. Um, there were, there is a thing called trolls on the internet. I don't know if you know what that is. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, and they're, they're pretty vicious. They're pretty awful. Um, probably the worst thing had nothing to do with me really. But um, so if you watch the show, you know that um, my dad, passed away pretty much right before I went to audition. And um, at the time, it was really just very fresh. Um, and, you know, like the wound was still pretty gaping and bloody and it hurt a lot. And, um, you know, the show wanted to talk about it and I felt comfortable talking about it. Um, and then, you know, they would, they would ask me these questions that would just make me really sad and, and I would cry. And uh, it's really hard to cry on national television in front of millions of people. And then there was, I just remember there was a troll that said, God, I'm so tired of hearing about her dead dad. And it's like, wow. And and it's kind of that thing where you realize that people forget that you're an actual human being. Like they completely associate you with having a life and having emotions and feelings and they don't know you. And, and it's, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, like, I got called, you know, skank and whore and whatever because of the way I dressed. Um, you know, whatever well, the that Bible means. Bible Belt has to do something, so. Right. And so, I mean, you know, I'm just, I just laughed at that because I'm like, that's so stupid. God, I feel so sorry for you. But the thing about my dad, it's like, Jesus is crying. Yeah, that's, <laughs> Damn. that's harsh. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it it bothered me, but it was just, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, yeah. But then you forget, like, I'm, you know, I'm, I've been through this process of being on a television show like that and having that experience. And then, um, you know, I, I go home and I'm in my world now and I watch um, one of my, one of my favorite shows is RuPaul's Drag Race. And my husband will, my husband and I will sit and watch that show. We love it. And we'll, you know, we'll say all kinds of things at the television to these people. Granted, we don't go online and say them. We're saying them they're in the privacy of our home and where, you know, nobody hears it but us. And so it's not hurting anybody, you know, Mm -hmm. but you, you, you very quickly forget that like, wow, these are real people with lives and feelings. And so that was probably like the hardest thing about being on the voice, um, when you're when you're in the spotlight like that, people want to tear you down, um, pretty hard. But I mean, I had I had a really great support system. I did I did amass like a really awesome fan base that have been very supportive and still are to this day. Well, that's great. Yeah. That's great to yeah. at least have that. So, tell me, you know, you you your band breaks up, flash forward, you go on the Voice after the Voice, and you start your own. And as you as you said, your your misfits are kind of 
heart guns or people who play background for you and all that you wrote and uh wrote and performed all the songs that are on here um mm -hmm. on your on your record so what's that like going from you know cover band to original band to break up to voice to where you're at now i mean what's that transformation like and how did you um did you find it hard to pick yourself up and 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 start all over again essentially well no I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all really hard. I mean, doing anything is hard. <laughs> I mean, like, True. anything besides sitting on your couch and watching, um, what, what have I been watching lately? Uh, the, uh, Kevin Spacey show, um, House of Cards. You know, anything besides watching House of Cards all day and drinking tea is hard. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, any, anytime you put forth an effort. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I had, um, I had something that really amazing that happened from the show is that I got, uh, I didn't really ever fit on the show besides the fact that I just really loved to perform. And I had that performance aspect that a lot of my contestants didn't have. Um, so in that sense, like I know what to do when you've got all these male dancers around me and I know what to do when, you know, you know, like the whole performance thing, like I know how to handle that. But as far as my music goes, it doesn't really fit you know, my style of performing doesn't really fit on that show. Um, and certainly, I've since I've moved to San Francisco and I've com been completely and utterly on my own and not had a manager or anybody telling me what to do, um, I've really just jumped over to the, to the dark side in the most delightful way. Um, and, you know, working with drag queens and working working with just, um, just really just allowing allowing me, allowing myself to, like, just be myself and be this ridiculous thing that would never work in mainstream music um, and would never work in primetime television. Um, but it's really fun, and it's, mm -hmm. it's really wanna, wanna, what I want to be. But, like, when I... So when I was on the show, um, they, were, they kept asking me... Um, people they were interviewing me kept asking, who are your influences? And I would say Queen, I would say David Bowie, Marilyn Manson, and I would say Amanda Palmer. And... <clears throat> Of course, they would never, <clears throat> the people that were interviewing me would always print that I liked David Bowie and Queen, but they wouldn't print that I liked Marilyn Manson and Amanda Palmer. But um, eventually, the word got around, and her fans said, hey, there's a, there's a chick on The Voice right now that's a fan of yours, and she reached out through Twitter, and we became friends that way. And so when I was eliminated from the show, they flew me to New York to, to do the Today Show and to do MTV, and Amanda just happened to be there with her husband, Neil Gaiman, doing a show and she was kind enough to invite me to perform with her. And so, um, uh, that really cushioned the blow quite a bit. And, um, just through that, you know, I remember, uh, in her green room after the show, I was like, it was literally like a day after I'd been eliminated from the voice. And I was like, mm -hmm. should I sign with the label or should I do a Kickstarter? And she of course said, do a Kickstarter, don't sign the label. Um, and so I, yeah, I mean like as soon as I got home, I started working on the Kickstarter. Um, the Kickstarter came about and I was able to hire musicians that I'd worked with in the past and really loved. Um, and I was able to hire a really great producer, Ian Schreier, who worked with me one-on-one -on -one to make sure that like he really understood my vision and what I was going for. And um, yeah, I mean the album hadn't even been written before the Kickstarter was over. Um, <laughs> so it was like oh, all this pressure. So I feel like things just keep happening to push me along and things, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm incredibly lucky because I feel like I'm a hard worker, but 
I do feel, feel like most things fall into my lap. Like the voice fell into my lap. I didn't go and stand in line with thousands of people. It, the audition was handed to me because I'm, mm-hmm. because through my like eight years of touring with the design, um, I met, um, I met, uh, Vinnie Rich and, and, and Adam Pollock that work with Red Distribution. Um, and they have friends in the industry and the voice is always looking for, musicians that have been working in the industry and need a break. And so the casting director had been asking around to like Sony and Red and all these places. And then he said, yeah, we actually do know somebody. And then he called me up and he said, Hey, do you want to audition for the voice? And I was like, maybe, I don't know. know. Should I do that? Because I had fought against it for so long. But what really decided it for me was my band opened for Jams, which is, um, I don't know if they're together anymore, but it's a band that's comprised of some members from Rilo Kiley and um, and the like and Maroon 5. James Valentine, uh, Maroon 5's lead guitarist, was in this band, and I got to hang out with him for a little bit. And I thought I would, you know, be cool and say, so what do you think of your buddy Adam Levine? being on this show and and James said uh you know actually the show is awesome and you should go on it and that was like the first time that it wasn't a drunk chick in a bar saying you are awesome you should go on this voice it was it was you know it was a peer it was somebody that I really admired and respected and has been working in the industry for a long time that was like this show is actually pretty legit you should do it um so that was like the first little permission from somebody cool to say you should do the show. So it, it, put the, it definitely put like the little bug in my ear. And then when Vinny called me, I talked to, I mean, I talked to my husband and I was like, do you think I should do this? He goes, well, what do you have to lose? Your band just broke up. You know, you don't really sure. have anything going on right now. Go for it. You know, and there's definitely the stigma because I mean, what happens is that, you know, you've got so many people have said, why isn't the voice helping you out more now? And I mean, I have a great answer. It's like, because they freaking can't. Do you know how many contestants they've had? If they, if they gave handouts to all the, the, the alumni, to all the contestants, it would just, it would be ridiculous. Um, you know, even if, even if you took how far I made it, that's 80 people, 80 people that they would have to constantly be blogging about, tweeting about, um, offering up opportunities and, and that's kind of the thing. It's like we get in, we get into we've got the stigma of there hasn't been a breakout out star from the voice yet. And um yeah, and it's that ugly thing of here today, gone tomorrow, fifteen seconds of fame or fifteen minutes of fame. And what people forget is that like pretty much like ninety nine percent of the people that go on the voice are already hard working musicians that have been doing this for a long time. And if they if they're not it's because they're sixteen years old. Well, I think a lot yeah. of that is, is goes back the reason that people don't you know uh, think about that and the hard work mm-hmm. is because a lot of times if you think about uh, n- not so much with the voice but with uh, uh, American Idol where they show you know the weeks leading up the you know the the, the people auditioning who you know and, and they and inevitably let's face it they, they they'll really pick some horrible people to put on camera just because they know they're going to get a laugh or a reaction and yeah. you know oh, I've I've gone right from my shower to American Idol and you know, it's just kind of like, well, you know, and and I I know talking to musicians and bands who have, you know, conflicting things about those types of shows, uh, where they think that you know some of these people just literally walked up and it was their first time ever, 
And, uh, <laughs> you know, when, when, you know, I'm sure that that, ha- I'm sure that there are some people who've auditioned and that was their first time ever, but yeah. you know, you really have to have to consider the fact that like these people have probably been, been doing this stuff now for a while, at least some of them. I mean, not everybody is, uh, you know, what do you call it? Uh, oh, what do you call it? Uh, well, not green, but I was going to say that the woman, oh, geez, I forget her name. The woman from, uh. From over in England, who who uh, Sarah Boyle? Oh, Susan, right? Susan Boyle. Susan Boyle. Yeah, not not everybody is like, you know. I just literally sung here, and that was it, and and all that. And my God, what an incredible voice! But even at that, that doesn't that doesn't mean anything in the long long of it all. There plays out that whole oddity first, the sensational mm-hmm. sensationalism of it, and how much they can squeeze out of that. And then you know you, but we don't know like you know from the story from whatever time anybody interviews her what 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 gets edited out and all that and you know you just right. never know yeah i mean there's zero zero sensationalism um and exploitation when it comes to the voice i mean they go you go through several rounds of auditioning before you make it to the blinds and if you're not good they don't put you on that stage and they spend two weeks prepping you before you get on the blind stage um they don't want to put anybody up there to make a mockery of them and they pride themselves with being a really nurturing environment, and they are. They really are. Um, and it was kind of shocking. I keep, I think about it all the time. Like, um, it's just, it's just night and day where everything, everyone's doing everything for you. And granted, you're working really hard. You're not getting a lot of sleep, and you're running around like crazy. But like, people are driving you places, and and you're, you know, you're walking the red carpet, and you're performing with. It's funny. I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like not it, it's not r- real sometimes it just doesn't feel real like i took a lift the other day and i was sitting in the front seat with the driver and sarah Bareilles came on the um on the radio singing brave and i said to the driver you know um i sang this with her <laughs> on national television in front of millions of people and he looked at me he's like what <laughs> and it, you know and it's like it's like, yeah, that happened. That happened, you know, and it doesn't really mean anything. You know, Sarah Bareilles and I are not buddies. We haven't talked to each other since the yeah. performance, you know. Um, I think about my buddy uh, Cole Vosbury that really, really loved Sarah Bareilles, and he didn't even get to speak a word to her because he wasn't in the number. You know, they're not hanging out backstage, Um and I, you know, and I've been like 10 feet from Lady Gaga while she was rehearsing with Christina Aguilera. And again, it's cool. It happened. But it's, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like I got to see Lady Gaga rehearse in the equivalent of Lady Gaga sweats. <laughs> <laughs> That's is, funny. Yeah. It's basically like Under Armour, whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's just weird. It's just really weird. It. And and I and because I live in San Francisco, um, nobody watches The Voice here, like nobody. And if they do, they don't admit to it. And I've I've had to yeah because like everybody's too cool. Everybody's like going out and hanging out in Dolores Park or going to a show. I mean, there's a ton of stuff to do here. There's not mm-hmm. really that much reason for you to sit at home. And the thing is, is like you're paying so much to live here. You want to? <laughs> it's so expensive to live here. You want to you want to really get out and enjoy the city. Cause yeah, otherwise exactly. Otherwise, you could live anywhere and sit in your apartment all day long. And yeah, I could be poor and watch TV someplace else. Exactly, exactly. 
I'll tell you what, yeah. why don't we uh, take a pause and let everybody listen to another song. Okay. Uh, what are we going to let them hear this time? Is it... Uh... Uh, why Do You Love Me Now? Okay. This is Why Do You Love Me Now. I'm still the same girl I bang to the beat of my own thunder Dance to the heat of my own summer I am one with the art in the islands Oh, oh, lady pariah Born broken in the eye of the institution Taken in the night for my execution my deformation oh, oh. I've gotten used to feeling now I've been told no so many times I've lost count Nothing's changed and now I don't understand What's different now Than Then Why do you love me now Why do you love me Go. 
Why do you love me now? Cat. What's the best place for everybody to keep in touch with you and find out what's going on and and, and everything? So I have um, a website that has all of my social media on it. I'm really good on Facebook and Twitter. Those are the two main places that I like to hang out. Um, but if you go to my website, catrobyshow.com, uh, you can spell it phonetically or the correct way, and it'll take you to the same place. Um, so nice. Nice. Yay, haha. Um, K A T R O B I C H A U D dot com, or you can spell it phonetically K A T R O W B E E S H O W dot com. Sweet. Now, with your new record, which just came out in January, okay, mm-hmm. um, now are you planning uh, any touring with this? Uh, anything outside of, you know, San Francisco area? There, I would really love to tour. I just can't afford to right now. It's like <laughs> it's really expensive to tour, and um, I just moved to a brand new city and a brand new state, and I'm building up my following in San Francisco and doing that fun little radar effect of you know building up and building up to the point where I can start. I can start touring. But yeah, I mean, I'm you know people are are asking me every day, "Are you going to come here? Are you going to come here? Are you going to come here?" I was like. I'd love to go to all those places. I just can't afford it, you know, because like traveling is so expensive and then I have to travel with my band. I have to pay my band and it's a bummer yeah. to think about those things, but you know, I'm not, I'm not, the voice does not, being on the voice does not equal um, selling out venues. No, 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 no. I, I wasn't implying that at all. I just, yeah. just wanted to know if that was a, if that was a plan in the future and maybe it will I really be down the line to. if you get that, yeah. that build up. Oh, yeah, cool. I've started. I've started working with. Um, I started working with a booking agent from the Mob Agency, Joy, and she's awesome. And um, she's starting to put stuff together for me. And I've I've worked really hard to um, to network in this city. And um, I've played. I mean, I've been playing out with my band since November, and we're playing about two to three shows a month, which is not a lot, but it is for you know playing the same city. Oh yeah, um, yeah. That's that's just about the right if you're playing the same city. You don't yeah, want to you don't want to. You don't want. Yeah, you don't want to play more than like two, 
few times, maybe three times a month, um, which is why touring is great because then you can start routing yourself. But um, I am going down to L.A. I'm going to play a few shows in L.A. in April. I'm going to play Hotel Cafe and the Echoplex um, and one other place, and I don't know the, the venue yet. Um, but I'm going to do that in April. Um, and then in San Francisco, I have shows coming up. Um, at Hotel Utah, and I'm actually playing Hard Rock Cafe uh, March 27th as part of the um, Hard Rock Rising thing. And I don't know, I think it's it's going to be really fun, but I just I just had a conversation with the, with Amanda Palmer about how I need to stop trying to fit into like the mainstream pop mold. And I feel like that's kind of going in that direction. And it's mm-hmm. kind of funny because it's like, here I am. Um, I'm playing a very corporate, corporate-y setting. This is really cool, but, um, you know, am I going to be jumping around in my negligee while kids are eating uh, chicken fingers? I don't know. It's probably going to be really cool, but it's Fisherman's Wharf. It's a very, it's like a super touristy yeah. area. Um, and, you know, but I mean, it's just like the stark difference in that is that, you know, I'm going to do that and it's going to be, I'm going to definitely clean up for it and not have any parts of me flying about. And then <laughs> this weekend I'm doing a drag number with um, an amazing drag artist, uh, Julian Narling, where we're going to dress up as bloody aliens and emerge from pods and um, I'm going to kill her and then wear her ribcage as my crown. And it's like, you know, it, it, I, I'm... I'm a little girl from Raleigh, North Carolina that grew up watching Tim Burton films and being obsessed with Marilyn Manson um, in Raleigh, North Carolina. And then, better, better late than never, but I finally moved to a city where I feel like I truly belong, where weird shit happens all the time, every day, and I can go and I can do whatever the hell I want on stage and people aren't going to judge and it's an incredible environment to experiment in. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm doing all these weird, crazy things. And it's funny because, like, I went home. I went back to Raleigh. I picked the worst possible time to go back to Raleigh. It was, like, right at the end of February where the entire East Coast was just getting hit like, this massive snowstorm. And uh, I almost didn't go. I almost canceled the show because I knew that, like, half of the people that would come to see me wouldn't be able to come because of the weather. And that's exactly what happened. Um, Yeah. It's like I played the last time I played Lincoln theater, there were like 350 people there, which is still not a lot. Um, I mean, it's, it's good, but the theater fits 700 people. So, you know, it's, 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 it's filled up and it's nice. But the last time, this past time I went, there were like 125, which is, which is half, um, less than, I can't math. Less than half. And, um, yeah, I mean, it just, it was a bummer, but like the people that were there loved the show and it was, and I hired drag queens to come out and perform with me. And it was funny because I had two different people reviewed the show and it was like, they were completely opposite, different shows. <laughs> like the first person that reviewed the show was like, cat's fucking awesome. This is fucking great. I fucking love this chick. Everything she does is awesome. The sun shines out of her asshole. And then the other critic was like, fuck this dumbass bitch. Um, she got completely overshadowed by the two other bands. Um, nobody came out to see her. Nobody gave a fuck about her show. It was like, no, that's not true. Like, everybody that came to the show 
had a great time and loved it. And I know that because I was there and I know what it's like to play to an audience who doesn't give a shit about you. And that was mm-hmm. not what happened. But, um, you know, I do these things where I try to, um, I like to do cover songs, but you know, like being in a cover band for as long as I was, when I do cover songs now, I want to do them tongue in cheek and have mm-hmm. fun with it. And so, um, I did, a I did a, a Brian Adams song. I did everything I do, I do for you, but I can't, I can't come out and just sing that like I'm serious about it. <laughs> it just yeah. doesn't make sense. So I had the two drag queens drag me onto stage, and I was pretending that I was inebriated, and I had an empty bottle of wine, and, I, and they had to hold me up, and I sang the entire song to the bottle of wine. And <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious, and people were laughing, and as soon as the song was over, I you know jumped to life, and, ha-ha, it's joking, I'm not drunk, here we go. And it was really fun. And, um, and people... Like, the first critic totally got it and thought it was hilarious. And the second critic was like, who does she think she is with this dumb, gimmicky, hoaxy shtick? And it's like, you know what? <sighs> rock and roll, rock and roll is a gimmick. Glam rock, yeah. especially, is a gimmick. You know? And, and I like the gimmick. I like the, there's something extra, there's something weird, there's something fun, there's something that you've never seen, and this is going to grab your attention. And I absolutely love that. And, and I completely own up to that. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, and this person trumped around and, and said these things and, and, you know, and the, 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 the sad thing is, um, they also did some really spectacular photography that, um, I would use, I would post on my website and give them credit and get attention for them. But, guess what? I'm not using your photography because this wasn't really a critique of my show. It's just blatant vitriol. Yeah, so, yeah. That's you know, no good. You're just basically like kicking off all the things that you hate about me and you're not talking about my music at all. So it's like, if you don't like my music, you don't like my music. But don't sit there and say, these other two bands were so much better than this trash. You know, and it's like, no, I mean, we're all very different bands. But I picked us for that reason. You know, the first band was was like a metal band, and then the second band was uh, was an indie rock band, and I'm a glam band, and that's you know, and we're we're all different forms of rock and roll, and it's totally fine if you don't dig my kind of rock and roll. But say that in the in the critique, don't just sit there. And yeah, yeah, it. you got you got to you got to st- stipulate that it's just not you're not your cup of tea yeah. or whatever else like that. That's why that's why I hate critics yeah. and and stuff like it's that. Whatever. I mean. Yeah. You know, um, you know, here I am interviewing people, and, and the last thing I'll ever do is go, "Hey, if you like this, they sound like this, or they sound like that." I always hated that because I'd go to a show and someone, someone would tell me, "Oh, you like that band? Then you'll love this band." You get there, you go, "They don't sound nothing like them." What the hell are you talking about? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's your opinion, and and that's fine. Opinions are fine, and and everybody's got them, and and all that. But when you turn it into a, a weapon uh, to use against a, an art form that you you clearly didn't understand or didn't get. Yeah. Um, you know, hey, don't 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 punish the artist because you were out of the loop. You know, it's, it's your yeah. your thing. So, but I mean, sadly, pe- people do that. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it was pretty obvious that they're friends with one of the other bands, and I don't think oh. the other band put them up to it. I mm. think that they were just trying to get attention for the band that they liked, and it's whatever. And I I I actually looked the person up, and I added them as a friend on Facebook, um, and I didn't say anything. I just was like, you know what? Let's be friends. I don't know what your problem is, but let's be friends. And I mean, yeah, like it stung the fact that they said there was not such a great audience. I'm like, you know what? 
there were 125 people there and they were all having a great time and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit there and get mad about the people that didn't come. I can't even tell you how many people emailed me and and tweeted at me, and and called me to say that they were sorry that they couldn't make it because yeah, well weather they couldn't get out of their driveway. Their pipes <laughs> burst. They're sick because like they've got a flu because of the you know I mean it's it it, it is what it is. I go back in yeah. the summer and it would you know but I I don't know like right now I'm 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 you know I'm kind of in this. And I and you know and I feel really bad to say like I love San Francisco and I'm and I'm waving my little San Francisco flag. I don't mean to nothing wrong with that. You know I love Raleigh to death, but and and I and I love the people that that came and I love the people that couldn't couldn't make it. I love them all, but it's just um yeah I mean like with the whole touring thing, it's just really expensive and it's yeah well one day hard. that's that's the main thing. And you mm-hmm. know what I I personally uh, you know for myself. I love going to San Francisco. I've been there many times, and you just mm-hmm. give me another reason to go. That's all. So see if I can coordinate when you're playing like someplace. <laughs> What's that? Is there anything you don't like about San Francisco? You know, in all there honesty, is. I only ever ran into one section when I was out there that, not that I had a problem until, well, let's put it this way. I used to walk back and forth from what I had to do. I walked all over the place, but mm-hmm. the one time I stayed out there, I took the the, the the cab to the hotel that was basically mm-hmm. it because it was just you walked a little too far and suddenly it was very very like this is not such a good area and uh, yeah because you're probably you know. staying downtown right oh yeah i was i was yeah so you're staying downtown and so the downtown it's it's so funny the way that san francisco is set up you've got all these really super nice neighborhoods and right in the heart of the city is the tenderloin which is exactly what you're talking about and it's right next to downtown. And, yep, it's like you walk a block over and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> and now, now. I completely understand. And I used to, um, I, I, live, um, I live in Knob Hill above the Tenderloin. Okay. And I've gotten so that I used to, I love walking the city. It's basically the only exercise I get. And I used to um, get to Soma or, you know, anywhere south of, of um, the Tenderloin by walking through the Tenderloin. And I did that about 20 times before I, and, and, and not never at night, never at night. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in the daytime, I was like 20 times before I said, you know what? No, I can't do this anymore. Because there were all these like close calls. And, you know, when you're, when you're a girl walking by yourself on a narrow street and all of these uh, kind of, I mean, they're low life hanging out on the streets, drug addicts and whatever. And they, it would be one thing if they were just hanging out, not bothering you, but they bother you. They try to grab you. They try to talk to you. They try to stand in your way and, yeah. and mess with you. And it's scary because you don't know what they're going to do. And, and there's you could no say reason the wrong to find thing. out either. Yeah. I mean, a few months ago, uh, this, this girl, her boyfriend stood up to her because she was getting catcalled and he got stabbed nine times. And that's crazy. And, you know, I would say like 95% of the city is really safe. And mm-hmm. I feel super happy and comfortable walking around. But it's, there's just something about that. It's a really concentrated area. The tender, and and it got, the Tenderloin got the name because um, back in the day, uh, cops would get paid more to, to work the Tenderloin. And so they could afford Tenderloin steaks. And mm-hmm. that's, <laughs> that's where that came from. You know, I'm just happy that, you know, unlike other cities where it seems to me that um, bad areas kind of spread 
that that's kind mm-hmm. of kept kind of right in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's really interesting. And then we've got the the you know everybody has <clears throat> uh, massively mixed feelings about it, but gentrification is a is a major thing that's happening here and. Um, you know, all the the tech boom, all these yuppies are like moving into the city, including me, um, you know, and it's just, um, yeah, I mean, it's, and this is officially the most expensive city to live in in the United States now. And it's ridiculous. And like, everybody that lives here makes a joke out of it. <laughs> it's like, um, my husband and I are probably never going to move because we have rent control. And it's just, we're right at what we can afford. So mm. it's crazy. But I mean, other than that, the city is wow. amazing, um, and there's, there's just so much creativity, and there's so much to do, and it's just so much fun. Well, that's good. That's good. You found a place that you can uh, perform, and you, you feel uh, a little bit more comfortable, we'll say, with trying new things and doing new things. That's that's very yeah. you know important. I mean, that's basically, let's face it, with San Francisco, that was part of the, the draw for any artists out there. Yeah. Um, so, look, before we wrap everything up here, is there anything you want to say to your fans out there? What should I say? I don't know. Your I, get fans. Asked, I don't know. I get asked that question a lot. What do I want to say to my fans? Um, I don't know. I just love you guys. I do. Thank you for supporting me. And I love your comments. And it means the world to me when you share my music with your friends. That's a real vote of confidence. And, and uh, you're amazing. You're my darling misfits and my warriors. And I appreciate you. Thank you. Well, that's cool. Cool. Well, Kat, I want to thank you for taking time to do the interview. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been been interesting and eye-opening about San Francisco. But <laughs> you weren't expecting that. <laughs> well, no, no. You know what? It don't it don't matter to me. I I just I was just gonna say I, I don't I don't think you're you're gonna be getting a call from the travel bureau out there. But you know you never know, right? <laughs> I love this city. It's beautiful. Look, the sun is shining. I can go outside in a t-shirt right now. <laughs> oh, don't gorgeous. rub it in. I'm a East Coast. Don't rub it in. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, look, that's okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, everybody out there. Uh, this has been Sean from Unclaimed Bands. My guest has been Kat Robichaud. Robichaud? Excuse me, Robichaud, yeah. So we'll make sure I say it right. Make sure that after this interview is done, you got the address, you heard it earlier, go back, go check her out, and, uh, you know, go buy her music. And if you're in San Francisco or you're going to be in L.A. in a little bit when she's down there, go go see her. That's the best way to see any artist. Okay? Yeah. Don't sit yeah. home watching the videos. Well, it's okay nope. to do that, but then go. And then go see Yeah, them. because like the videos can't reach out of your computer screen and hug you. Mm. They can't Not unless you you're doing the right kind hug. of drugs. So. <laughs> well, in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. No, oh, that's such yeah. a problem. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, well, thanks a lot, Kat. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it. Uh, no problem. The statements, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals and in no way reflect the views of unclaimed bands, its parent company, or subsidiaries.